Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you and it is good to be back. We did enjoy our holiday. We did join in online every Sunday. So uh, we also got to experience the, the worship, join with you in worshipping and also join with the, with the teaching as well. So we know that you've been encouraged to shift from being a marketplace to become a resting place. We know that you were challenged to be born again and to learn how to function in the family of God in the way. And we know that you learned, you need to prioritize learning to hear what the, the bridegroom's voice and rejoice in his voice. So we know all those things. And while we're away, we read an excellent biography by uh, Eric Metaxas on the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and highly recommend that to you all. So I also want to say that in 2017, Julie and I had the privilege of being in Thailand with the leaders, some of the leaders from the underground church. And there was actually one of the leaders at that time of uh, the disciple-making movement in Afghanistan. And we sang that Lord of Hosts song with them, which is based on Psalm 46 for people who are not sure where that song comes from, Psalm 46. And you tell me, when uh, there was like, were 30 people in the room, there was about 30 30 of these people from um, Iran and Afghanistan. For a couple of years, they they hadn't been able to sing Sing. because they would meet together. They whispered their worship. And they Mm. they couldn't sing. They couldn't have instruments in case it attracted attention in these little apartments where they would gather in very small groups. Yeah. So when they sang Psalm 46. It's amazing. God whom... You know, it's like Lord of Hosts, you're with us. Like there's a like power. He was there, right? Yeah. Like weird and powerfully present in the room this morning. But I'm, it was just such a different dynamic. And I and I'm confident that actually the believers in Afghanistan will know that song or a version of it that they will even have been singing as they as all this has been going on around about them uh, with what's what's happening in the nation. So yeah. Mm. Mm. It really impacts your spirit to meet people who live in very different culture and circumstances to us where they're forbidden. And one of the things we know that the Taliban has instituted straight away is a return to no singing of any sort. No music, all that sort of stuff. All the things we take for granted. All the things we take for granted. um, But but we know that um, God's people do sing, even if we can't, you know, Speak it out loud. The people will be singing because all through the scriptures, God, the people of God are singing people. And when you read the book of Revelation, and many of you ought to be reading it right now, and we have been and studying it, men and women in, in your life, we know that, that the whole book of Revelation is actually built around songs of worship. Yeah. The church, the people of God singing in the midst of the storm, literally. So... Mm. Good stuff to be reminded of as we go into Sacred Assembly, it Julie. Sacred, uh, Sacred Assembly starts this week. Did you realize that? If you're visiting this morning, don't worry. Welcome. We know you great don't to realize see you. that. Thanks yeah. for coming. <laughs> it's great. It's Welcome great to, to have you. Welcome to join in. Here. Jump in on a Sacred Assembly, 21 days, prayer and fasting. So, Wayne, we, we've been having regular Sacred Assemblies in, in New Life since 2006. Um, and it's been. It's been Mostly annual. There's been a couple of years where we've done shorter, Hmm. you know, 10-day fast. But it's something that has become very precious to us here at New Life. And I'm speaking for people listening on the the web stream today or maybe you're visiting today and not sure what this sacred assembly is. Could the next slide, please? Yeah. So there's a a why. I'm starting into the why of why are we doing this. So there's a couple of key scriptures. Because we want to make sure everyone understands the why. Yes. And can explain it to someone else. Like when you go and you talk to your workmates, they go, why are you doing this? You can go, here's why. So there's a couple of scriptures. um, And if you've got your Bibles, look, I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles. Um, You know, just thinking this morning, we've already been talking about Afghanistan and, you know, what's, what's happening there and how it is in Iran where there's so much suppression and they can't worship together. They certainly can't have their Bible with them. And I understand that the Taliban have been going through and checking people's phones for Bible apps, etc., and all this sort of stuff. You know, we, they can't gather like this. 
All these things that we take for granted, they can't even clap their hands when they have, you know, because they can't worship. So much that we take for granted. All of those things that are freely available to us. So that Bible that you've got in your hands this morning is precious. It's precious. And imagine what it would be like if it was taken away. When you have the capacity to clap your hands in worship, can I encourage you to do that with all your might? You know, in case there's a day when you can't do that. And to gather together often. And when you gather together to pray for one another and invite people into that freely because we can and to tell others about Jesus because we can. And we should. It's hard for us to get connected, isn't it? To really connect. I mean, we can connect with, with empathy and compassion and all that sort of stuff when, when we see terrible things on the news. But to actually connect with their reality, it's hard. Because we live in the opposite world. Do. We live in the opposite place. But there's a responsibility that comes for us who have these comforts and these privileges. And I believe it's that we join with our brothers and sisters in prayer continuously. We lift them before the Lord. I believe it's that we give of the abundance that we enjoy. And this week, Wayne, just to let you know, New Life Church, we sent an initial gift of $5,000 to, to um, FAI to distribute directly, to use for anything that they need for the people in the Afghanistan and the people who are global fleeing. Global Catalytic Ministries. Global Catalytic Ministries. Oh, yeah, catalytic sorry. Global, so uh, global it's Catalytic. It's ministries we support. That's yes. right. Yeah, we support both those ministries. authorise it. Yeah. And they're both, hmm. both those, those groups, um, those mission uh, organizations are directly involved. Uh, they operate in the Middle East and hmm. one is in Iran and, and one is in Israel and they're right in there with what's going on. So what a privilege to be connected across the globe and to be able to channel our resources. And when you give for the harvest offering, there'll be another gift that goes directly to the, the crisis in Afghanistan to support our brothers and sisters and and those who are on the front line there. Joel 2, this is the why. There's two parts to this that we're going to share this morning. But this is Joel 2, verses 11b and and 13. Sorry, 11b and 12. (laughs) The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Actually, let me start at verse 11, the very first half. The Lord thunders at the head of his army this is Joel 2 verse 11 his forces are beyond number and mighty is the army that obeys his command for the day of the Lord is great it is dreadful who can endure it just want to pause there to say this is a crisis situation and the army that the Lord is commanding is who this army that is being used by God to bring judgment, which army is it? You know, some of you know, I know you do. Sorry? Babylon. We've been in Habakkuk, right? Joel and Habakkuk, they're prophesying the same thing. The Lord is speaking the same thing. And when God says, Habakkuk, you're going to be utterly shocked at what I'm about to tell you, I'm raising up the Babylonians. This is the same context, okay? What it means is when the Lord is at the head of everything that is happening globally, he brings his plans to their holy climax. Mm -hmm. Who can understand it? Who can endure it? And yet, verse 12, even now, declares the Lord, there's hope. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Now, like I said, this is a crisis context. And the Lord, through 
Joel, the prophet Joel, is saying, my people, there's still time. So, yes, you see the crisis. Look around you. Yes, there's crisis. And, in fact, I am at the head of the nations. And Babylon wasn't just about to engage with Israel and take them into captivity. They had already demolished and taken into captivity other surrounding nations. The Lord is bringing a day of his judgment because his people were far from him. And the Lord says, when you see crisis in the nations, when you see crisis in your nation, and how many of you can agree, we've got crisis going on in our nation Hmm. and in the nations of the world, like you and I have never seen in our lifetime at a global level. This is what the Lord says. It's like, my people, where are you? How did things get this way? Return to me. So we're gathering in sacred assembly because that is the Lord's remedy. Verses 15 to 17, he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the assembly. We're doing that today. Bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Not even, they're not even left out of it. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. I saw on the news in another state of our nation, brides on the verge of being married. What's happened? They've gone into lockdown. The Lord says, come on. It's time. It's time to prioritize what's on my heart. And we do it, it says, assembly. The dictionary says that an assembly is a group of people gathered together in one place for a common purpose. So that's Joel. That's a crisis context. But there's another context in Matthew. So that's really what we wanted to do is show you the consistency of Scripture, as we always want to do. And so then we go into Matthew 9 and verses 14 and 15. It was a conversation between Jesus and some of the disciples of John the Baptist who come to Jesus and they ask him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? That's a fair enough question. In other words, this is part of the normal thing of being a disciple and yet Jesus, your disciples aren't fasting. What's with that? And Jesus said he he does what rabbis do. He responds to a question with a question. Uh, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Do they? No, they don't. Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them And then they will fast. And so here again, we've got this bridegroom language coming through. Uh, Jesus describing himself as as the bridegroom God. and But he says that first thing is his people will fast. His disciples will fast. That fasting will be a normal part of being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus. That's the first thing that he emphasizes and we need to see. But secondly, what Jesus does here is he connects the fasting of his disciples to mourning over his absence. The world's not right because our God isn't here ruling and reigning. We miss him. We want him to come back. That's why we're fasting. We're longing for Jesus. And we need our appetite because we get dulled by the culture in which we live. So fasting is a way of awakening our appetite of longing for Jesus to say, Jesus, we need you to come back. We want you to come back. So Samuel Whitfield, in his excellent book, um, Discipleship Begins with Beholding, made these comments in in this context. He said, many Christians uh, feel like they can't find God And Samuel says it's because their lives are already too crowded. Many of us are living with a subconscious fear of missing out. The famous FOMO, 
And he, Samuel says, it's time for us as the people of God to discover a new kind of FOMO, a fear of missing out on God, a fear of missing out on the revelation of God because our lives are already too full. And he says, we need to create space for a real hunger to grow in our souls. And that's what sacred assembly does. We need space in our schedules and our minds and our emotions for God to reveal himself. And it's time Samuel says it's time for an entire generation to embrace a fasted lifestyle to behold God. So if I could just summarize, I think what we've said, Julie, is why we fast? We fast because of the crisis in the world, the crisis in our own lives. And I know even looking around the room, um, some of you, you, you got very personal crisis going on in your life, or in your household or in your extended family. And that's why we gather together. That's why we assemble together and fast and because we miss Jesus and want him to return and so there's a cry collective cry from the people of God and it's beautiful Revelation 22 it says the spirit and the bride who's the bride the people the disciples of Jesus globally are crying Maranatha come Lord Jesus come there's a bringing it to a unity so yeah that cry that cry is increasing isn't it isn't Mm. it it's in our hearts as we see the suffering and we see the, the, the wars and the pain and the terror, the fear that's just flooding the earth. We say, come, mm. Lord Jesus. Only you can make everything right, right? That's the cry of our hearts. So three words we want you uh, to remember. Bearing in mind that the, the sacred assembly starts on Wednesday. And for those of you, I've just realized there might be people in the room today who don't actually understand what that means, sacred assembly. Well, it's 21 days where our prayer room is, is open um, from morning till, till night. Apart from Sundays, we're here Sunday mornings. And we're engaging in an unusual way during those 24, uh, 21 days in prayer and worship and, and with fasting. So it's a 21-day season hmm. uh, set apart. There's, that's a big word, set apart, consecrated. And so the response that we are urging is one where we as a community give it priority and we say, Lord, we're, we're setting apart ourselves. We know we have need of you. My heart is dull, God. My heart is not easily moved, let's say. I'm dull. I tell you that the Christians in the Middle East, their hearts are not dull because they had to decide the moment they came public with their faith in Christ that that is the day they are on a hit list. That keeps Mm. you sharp, (laughs) right? Mm. We don't have that blessing if you know what I mean and our hearts are prone to wandering and to dullness because we live in this fog of comfort and kind of well does it matter you know we can kind of pick and choose so many things we can pick and choose our level of persecution even I don't have to say anything and God that's a cry that's, that should cr- stir a cry in our hearts, right, for something more. God, I want, mm. I want out of this. Would you, re- would you visit me again? We need continual refreshing. So the, first, so the three words we've got are prepare, engage, and celebrate. And I'm going to go straight to prepare. Um, so preparation is vital. You know that. <laughs> if you're preparing for something, a holiday, whatever, preparation is vital. You just don't go on holidays. You're often getting ready for that six to eight weeks ahead of time from booking the venue to everything else in between. And especially if you've got children, young children. All right. So this is the same. It's vital to prepare. We sat down um, because we've learned we have to do this. We sat down together at our kitchen table and I had the computer open. Wayne had printed off that form that you've been handed this morning, which is all the times, and we're asking people to sign up, all the times you can come into the prayer room. Mm. And we had our diaries next to us, and it took us an hour to work it all out. Yep, what we're going to do. And what we're going to do, Mm -hmm. how we're going to do it, Mm. 
and, and then we press send because that is so important to enter in. Wayne's going to talk about that in just a minute. So the idea when you're planning and preparing, you have to prepare because the idea is to cull as much of normal routine as you can, right? Some people traditionally in this community, there are people each time who have taken a day or two or more off work. They've taken their annual leave because... Well, some companies actually give... You can take religious holidays now. There you go. <laughs> so you just go to your employer and go, this is my religious holiday. I'd like a day. See what you can get. Day of Atonement, <laughs> Day of Trumpet. So like, seriously. No, it's a, yeah. it's a legitimate thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's in you the know, Bible. But you it's know... There. David, David did say, I will not offer something that costs me costs nothing. Costs me nothing, so yeah. There you so go. We can, yeah. So if you <laughs> um, don't have that, take a day of annual leave. Yeah. So mm. we're just floating ideas for you. Yeah. Obviously, you know how to filter and, and work out before the Lord what you can do. But some of you, you know, it is a reset. And I encourage you to think about even now, after the three weeks, mm. do you have to return to all that stuff? Mm. Seriously? Hmm. Do you? So think about those things now. Wayne, can you talk about the importance of preparing to actually spend time in the prayer room? Because, you know, you can't walk in and it's... What happens? Yeah, sometimes there's unexpected rewards, isn't there, from obedience? Oh, yeah, there is. Thank you, Wayne. Okay, so actually... This morning, we love rewards. It worked with our boys, okay? So... Um, I want to reward somebody this morning because they were the first person who sent their form their, in, their form in yeah. on, online mm. and got it in. And I know quite a few of you have been a little bit behind mm. the schedule on that. Okay. But this, this reward this morning, can you just hold my microphone? Oh, hang on. No, I'll hold this. Yeah, there's a stick. <laughs> Okay, so this morning, the person who got their Sacred Assembly commitment in first and quickly is a real star, and that person is Isaiah McMurdo. Come on down, Isaiah. Come on, come on down. Our teenagers leading the way. Love it. Yeah, give them another clap. Yeah, come on. good job. <laughs> It's worth it, I tell you. Well done. So <laughs> yeah. Isn't well that done. good? The Lord loves to reward the and faithful. And he's up the back, in case you, don't, you can't serving. see on the web stream, he's up the back serving. Serving. Where he yeah. often is, mm -hmm. Isaiah. Well done. Yeah. Okay, so part of the preparation you need to do is um, to have a plan about what you're going to do when you come into the prayer room. Now, the, the first thing you're going to do is engage with what's going on in the room because each each. Uh, our set will have a, have a structure and a flow to that. But there will be times when uh, there'll be, if you like, uh, you'll be able to engage in something that you want to do. So it's important to have a plan because if you don't have a plan, you'll sit there and go, Where's the Lord? Just like, <laughs> here I am. Yeah, okay. So, so here's some things that I do. Uh, and I offer them as, as suggestions to you. One of the things I, I do is I, I, I like to start with the scripture. So, you know, come into the prayer room, sit down, and depending on what's going on, again, like if it's, if it's that kind of space, if there's, if there's okay, so, and I, and I might have a psalm that I begin with. So this is all part of, you just establish a rhythm and a routine. So I might have something like Psalm 27. So I'll open up my Bible, I'll start to read, pray, sing, write, draw, not necessarily all of those at the same time, Psalm 27. But I'm reading it, out, muttering it out loud over and over again. So I'm doing that. Uh, then you might want to choose one of Paul's apostolic prayers to master. Right, because this is so so helpful, so good. There's resources on the wall. If you go, what's a Paul apostolic prayer? We've got a list of them in the prayer room of the wall. Go and find the list, pull it out, pick one, pick anyone, and just over the next 21 days, be in that every single every single day. Be praying, working it through. Uh, might want to choose a book of the Bible as well uh, that you will write out while you're in the prayer room. 
when, as opportunity avails itself. So if you're thinking, wow, which one should I pick? Well, obviously you're going to pick the longest one, aren't you? <laughs> or the shortest one, you know, Philemon. Go for or Jude. <laughs> no, here we go. Here's some serious suggestions. Pick the Gospel of John. We're working through that as, as a church. Meet Jesus series. Pick that. Do that. Do the book of Ephesians. Do the book of Habakkuk. And one of the reasons I encourage people to write, write out the Bible is because I found that writing it out engages my spirit, my brain, my body at a different way than just reading it out. Right? I take it in, in that kind of way. And another thing you might want to do is journal. Have a plan. But be asking God questions. And so make your journal interactive and be asking God, God, I want, I want you to show me things about yourself in this, in this 21 days. You want to be saying that to God, show me yourself in new ways in this 21 days. But also, God, what do you want to transform? You want to change me to be like Jesus. What, do you, what specifically do you want to work on in me in these 21 days? And then another thing you can be dialoguing with God about is, God, I, wonder, I want to understand the times and the seasons we're living. So would you give me revelation of the time and the season that I'm living in and how I can respond to you in this time. Mm. So have a plan and execute it when you come into the yeah. prayer room and do that and encourage your children, help your children, those who've got small children and even those who've got small teenagers or large teenagers. Um, help them also have a conversation with them about them having a plan because, again, if you don't have a plan, you'll come in and you'll be, you'll be bored. Okay, so this is preparation. This is all before it starts on Wednesday. Mm. These are the things that you want to be um, thinking about. I know many of you have been already. There's a bunch of books we could certainly recommend. You know what? We'll put together a list because we don't have much time. We, yeah, we, we've got to keep moving. But there's a bunch of books, books on fasting, books on prayer, books, uh, biographies of people who have lived it, they've walked it, they've talked it, but they've mm. lived it. And these are inspiring things to read. And you can be doing that stuff at home around the dinner table because, you know, the whole idea is with fasting, it's not just food, it's switch the TV off. Oh, let's, let's read a chapter of this book tonight as a family yeah. around the dinner table. You know what I'm saying? Change it up. Uh, the time that you would normally spend eating or preparing to eat or shopping to eat or, you know, all that sort of stuff, that's now free time. We've got more time. And so think carefully how to really capitalize on that as, as families. So preparation and prepare. Prepare your food pantry. If you've decided to fast, prepare. Get rid of the stuff that doesn't need to be in there, that shouldn't be in there. And I do suggest, this is a wonderful practical tip that I've learned over the, over the years, is don't try to eliminate um, food, sugar and coffee on day one. All right? All in one hit. The first week will be really intense. Okay? So start doing that today. Take coffee out today, all right? It will really help you. Trust me. Um, it's a sure thing. So the next, the next slide is engage. <laughs> engage. And there's a communal aspect to engaging that is so important. Yeah, we're really conditioned in our culture to think about what's in everything for me. We think about ourselves first. And so we actually miss both what Joel, what God was saying through the prophet Joel and what Jesus himself was saying. And that this is... His disciples, Jesus saying, my disciples will do this. And Joel, it was like gathering the people. And this collective thing, we assemble together to do this. It's not so, it, we are not just coming into the prayer room to spend more time individually with God. We're coming into the prayer, we're gathering to be together, to worship, to seek him, to hear his voice. And that's why your sign up is so important. Yeah. Because it's not all about you. Yeah. You see, we're going to put the wall, mm. that sign-up wall, up in the prayer room. And it's, it's so encouraging when you, you look and you go, wow, all those, all those sessions from 6 a.m. Till, till 10 p.m., all these different people mm. who've made space in their schedule. And it helps the prayer leader to know as well how many people to expect in their, um, the set that they're, they're leading on any particular day. So please get those sign-up. Will you please? Yes. And I want to encourage people to, to just say yes to communal over personal comfort. Mm. 
okay? And some of you know what I mean because you just want to be in your own, own zone, right? That's your comfort zone. Just say yes. So small group prayer, yes. Praying on the microphone, yes. Get up and join the line even if at that point you don't know what you're going to pray. Just get up and do it. <laughs> Stammer your prayer out and go and sit down. You can stand at the micro- microphone and you can just say, I'm a yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Lord. And pass it to That's the next. It. That's next. it. But you oh, just man. say, just the yes. It's together. Like it does so much. It's together. That's wonderful. Lord loves to hear your just voice. Just really quickly on the fasting thing, the call to fast. Did you know that fasting weakens our resistance and rebellion to truth? Mm. The things that we're resisting. Well, fasting drops that resistance and it sure connects you to your weakness, right? A whole lot of stuff is like, who is this person? I didn't know I was like that. When you take away food, it's like, oh my goodness. That's reality, everybody. That's the real you. (laughs) The comfort and the ability just to kind of have whatever we want whenever, we don't realize how much we placate the inner giant, or whatever, you know. And, you know, the thing is, um, and I'll read this because this is a great little book. This is one I would recommend. It's Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. He's not alive any longer. This was the first book I read on fasting. Certainly impacted me. Listen to what he said. Fasting is also a means by which a believer brings his body into subjection. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Our bodies with their physical organs and appetites make wonderful servants but terrible masters. Mm. Therefore, it is necessary to keep them always in subjection. I once heard this well expressed by a fellow minister who said, my stomach does not tell me when to eat. I tell my stomach when to eat. And each time a Christian practices fasting for this purpose, he is serving notice on his body. You are the servant, not the master. Isn't it good? When we have so much available to us of all kinds of food and drink, to, to remember that. So fasting, we're not earning anything yeah, in fasting. Mm. But know this, that an unstrained, unrestrained appetite will produce a dull spirit. Restraining food restrains the whole body. It's a very interesting dynamic. So let's enter in. It's a biblical dynamic Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Let's do it together. And of course, let's not just limit it to food. We want to limit some, our food, obviously, in this season. But also, let's disengage from other non-essential things that actually distract us. Social media, I could go through a list, but I'll just specifically mention TikTok, D-TikTok, um, you know. And don't bring it back. And, 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 D, and D, D-YouTube, um, you know. Over, over that soon. We need to keep moving on because we've got, yeah, let's we've go. got Samuel so, coming up. Final slide, celebrate. Yep. Prepare for the season of celebration. The 21-day season, the Sacred Assembly, leads us right through Trumpet's Day of Atonement 2. It finishes just before the season of our joy. That's what the Bible calls it. The mm. season of our joy, which is shelters, Church. tabernacle. Sukkot, whatever word you like, doesn't matter. The season of our joy, it's a season of celebration. It is a season when we look to our eternal uh, future and home and hope with, with Jesus, with our great and glorious God. So look ahead to Shelters Week. Plan a celebration meal with your family. Who will you invite into your home for that? Give them, give them three weeks' notice, okay? Mm. Get your diary out now. Talk about it. Yep. Plan some special things with your family to mm. do, to just go and celebrate because we're celebrating. Have people over for dinner, catch up for coffee, and share, okay? Share how the Lord has encountered you. Yeah, How, give thanks. Give thanks Express as you do that. Really important. Mm. And you can be doing that every night as a family. So important to celebrate. And we mm. know that 
out of the fast and into the, the season, this season of shelters, there is great joy. We've experienced it year after year after year. There's like an abundant measure of joy that God pours out. And it's, it's glorious to be together and celebrate that. So finally, prepare. Can you say that with me? Prepare, engage, celebrate. Say it again. Prepare. Big one. Engage and celebrate. All right. And yeah. It's also important to prepare and celebrate and give joyfully the harvest offering yes. to the Lord, Prepare for which that. we've got coming up uh, Sunday, September yeah. 26th. So, yeah. And just that the joy of going, God, I'm so grateful, so thankful, and yeah. my heart's overflowing, and everything I have belongs to you. Mm. I'm so thankful for what you've, you've given to me yeah. and entrusted to me. I want to joyfully give back to you so that other things can happen. So we're going to close. We're moving into our closing now. Hmm. We're, we're done. So it's great to be back. Um, and I want to introduce Samuel Whitfield. So we've got a video greeting from Samuel Whitfield this morning. He's a preacher, a teacher, and a writer. He serves on the senior leadership team of the International House of Prayer of Kansas City and as a faculty member of the International House of Prayer University. Samuel has been here. How many of you remember Samuel? A wonderful teacher. And a prolific writer. I can't believe how, how he's pumping out the books right now. But he's got a greeting to us to encourage us to enter into the sacred assembly starting on Wednesday. And at the close of this greeting, we're going to ask you to stand. Um, it's okay if you're visiting. Stand with us, you know, and pray a prayer of consecration. It's a corporate prayer. We pray it every year when we have the sacred assembly, asking God to strengthen us and bless us and to help us to give to him um, as we set our hearts and minds on him in this way. Thanks. Amen. Just as our VM team transitioned to that video, well, hello, a couple of weeks ago we it's announced that we'd written to a bunch of our friends, international friends, and asked them to send greetings. So this is one of those, and the others will be shown during the 21 days in the Sacred Assembly in the prayer room. And it's my privilege and my honour to send Greetings to all of you at New Life Church. Uh, I think about you often, and I'm just really excited for this uh, season you're entering in of just uh, seeking the Lord as we come into the time of the fall feast and, and setting aside some special time for prayer and for fasting and, and the Word. And, you know, as, as I was thinking about this, this season, I, I couldn't help but uh, be reminded, actually, of the spring feasts. And the, uh, the, the spring feasts, of course, take us back to the events of Mount Sinai. And those events have really been on my heart in, in the last year. And I believe they'll, they'll encourage you as you enter this, this uh, season of focused prayer and fasting. You know, at, at Mount Sinai, God came down in the sight of an entire people. He did something he's, he's never done before or since in the same way. God came down in the sight of a people he spoke audibly, he stood on a mountain, and he entered into covenant, into agreement with a people. And that interaction was very significant. And one of the reasons it was significant is because the interaction was modeled after the pattern of a Jewish wedding. And so when God came down the mountain, he was basically saying, I'm now joining myself to a people. And what's interesting about the Jewish wedding is it takes place in two phases. The first phase is the betrothal. It's a legal marriage. It's, it's when the, the bridegroom and the bride make a legal agreement. They're now legally married. They're committed to each other, but they don't yet live together. And so the betrothal sets into motion a period of preparation for a time when they come together in the great wedding celebration. They live together and they consummate the wedding together. So when God came down on Mount Sinai, it was a betrothal. It was uh, modeled after the first stage of the Jewish wedding. God came down. He entered into covenant. He committed himself. He said, I'm entering into covenant with a people. And he set into motion a process that must end with God himself dwelling on the earth, dwelling among his people, in the fullness of a marriage-type relationship. or that's, that's the analogy the Bible gives us. So when you, when you see the events of Mount Sinai, 
And when you realize they're a betrothal that sets into motion a great consummation, Sinai really raises a question. When will God finish his wedding? I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God's been waiting 3,500 years to finish his wedding. I mean, can, can you imagine any bridegroom that, that would make a legal agreement with his bride and then wait 3,500 years to consummate the marriage, to finish the wedding, so to speak, and enter into a uh, new life together? And so when I reflect on the spring feast and the, and the events at Mount Sinai, I just wonder what are the affections, the, the burning desire, the, the emotions in the heart of God as he's been waiting this 3,500 years to finish his wedding. And I believe God is waiting in part for a people who share those same affections. I mean, can, can you imagine a bridegroom who shows up to his wedding and finds out the bride's not so interested in the wedding? You know, God is not going to return for a disinterested bride. He is longing for a bride that shares his affections. And God's been waiting 3,500 years for a corporate people gathered from all the nations who set their affection on him and set their desire on him and have the same longing he does to finish his wedding. You know, when I think of that longing, it leads me to a passage in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, uh, verse 6. Of course, Song of Solomon is a book that describes married love, but it also is often used as an analogy. It gives us insight into God's desire for his people. When you read Song of Solomon 8, verse 6, there's this tremendous statement. It says in that verse, love is as strong as death, jealousy is as fierce as the grave. Its flashes are the flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. So it says right there, love, passionate love is as strong as death. And jealousy, which basically means desire uh, for your companion, for your spouse, is as fierce as the grave. Now, when you think about human love and human passion, I mean, when, a, when, when humans have their affections turned uh, affections touched, they'll do almost anything for the sake of love. I mean, they'll do things that aren't rational. Rational. They'll do things that aren't reasonable, all for the sake of love. And when I think about this verse, it makes me wonder, what about divine affections? We know what a human bridegroom will do to get the object of his affection, but what will a divine bridegroom do to get the object of his affection? What will God do in pursuit of his bride? And when you ask that question, it inevitably leads you to the most shocking event of all history. It leads you to the cross. It leads you to that moment when God said, my love is as strong as death. I'll do everything required. I'll do anything necessary to obtain the object of my affection. And in the cross of Jesus, you should hear the words of Solomon 8, verse 6. My love is as strong as death. My jealousy is as fierce as the grave. Nothing can stop my pursuit of my bride. I want to finish my wedding. Jesus has removed every obstacle to consummating the marriage. But he's still been waiting 3,500 years. And I believe he's waiting on a corporate people who will speak Solomon 8, verse 6 back to him. They'll look at him and say, our love is as strong as death. Jesus, whatever it takes, we want you back. Whatever it takes, we want to give you your inheritance. I want to give you your inheritance first in my own heart. Then I want to give you my inheritance in my family and the people around me as a corporate people. I, I want to labor in your great purpose among the nations that you would have what you want, a corporate people out of all the nations who love you wholeheartedly. And I believe there's a divine invitation right now that, that as you, even as we enter in the time of the fall feast, the Lord wants us to reflect on the events of Mount Sinai, reflect on the spring feast and what Jesus did for us.
to secure our affection. And he wants us to begin to speak Song of Solomon 8, 6 back to him and say, you know what? Our love's as strong as death. You gave your all for us. We want to give your all. We want to give our, our, all for, for you. You know, this, this unusual season we've been in with COVID and everything else has many people opening the Bible and going, with all these dramatic changes happening, you know, what is it going to be like when Jesus returns? What does it take for Jesus to return? People are diving into new scriptures maybe they haven't considered or scriptures they have considered before and they're reading them again. And I just want to suggest to you, the secret to understanding the return of Jesus and the end of the age is not necessarily charts and graphs and information, though genuinely we should know that. Here's the secret to understanding the end of the age. What does it take for God's desire to be satisfied? What's it take for God to get his bride, the object of his affection? If you can answer that question, you understand the heart of the end of the age. Yes, learn all the information, use helpful charts and graphs, but this is the core question. What does it take for the heart of God to be satisfied? Well, that question really leads us into our time of fasting. You see, in, in, in fasting, we temporarily pull back from blessings of God, food and other things that are blessings from God. They're not bad things. But we pull back and we make a statement. God, we can't fully enjoy every blessing when you're not here. When you think about fasting, you're not trying to earn something from God. We're not trying to convince God to do something he doesn't want to do. We're not trying to prove how spiritual we are. It's simply a time when we pull back and we say, Jesus, because you're not here, we can't fully enjoy every blessing. And so we make a statement. We draw back for a moment. We express our affection to him. And we ask the Father to give us insight and revelation into his own affections, into the affections that led to Mount Sinai, the affections that led to Mount Calvary, and the affections that are leading to the return of the bridegroom and the great consummation of the wedding. So I just bless you as you enter into this season of fasting. And my prayer for you is that you would encounter the affections of God in a new way and in a new dimension. And as you as you enter in this season, I'll just leave you with a few things that have been on my mind during this 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 time. Uh, one thing is, I think God's putting His focus again on our small spaces. I want to encourage you that as you enter a time of prayer and fasting, let's think about doing the small things well. Let's think about life in our home, with our families, in our workplace, in our church congregation. It's easy to get our focus on big things and big events and big conferences, and, and those certainly can be blessed of the Lord. But I think in all the events, the Lord wants to put his focus back on, hey, let's, let's talk about the small places. Let's talk about living life well and authentically in our small prayer meetings and in our families and in our homes. I also think the Lord wants to put a fresh emphasis on the glory of God's companion, the, the people of God, the church. He wants to give us fresh faith that he's going to mature a people. They're going to be stunning and radiant and look like him. And finally, I'll leave you with this. As you enter into this time of prayer, I want to encourage you to pray the Bible. And I want to encourage you, let's have more faith and more confidence in what the Word of God says than in what we may think, feel, or perceive. I think God's looking for a people who read the Word of God and say, we have more confidence in what you've said in that book than what we might think, see, feel, or perceive in any one moment. So let me just pray a prayer of blessing as you enter into this season. I'm so excited, uh, re re really, for this season for you, and I have anticipation. I can't wait to hear the testimonies of what God does in your midst as you set apart this time. So Father, I just ask you right now, for the New Life Church family, Lord, I ask you that you would open up your emotions in a fresh way, that, that they would begin to encounter your own longing for a people. They would encounter a bit of that, even that pain in your heart that you've been waiting 3,500 years to finish your wedding. God, I pray that you release great grace for this time of fasting and prayer. 
release grace. I ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to help and to lead and guide as they enter into this time of fasting. Release revelation. Release fresh courage in the promises of God. Release fresh grace in homes and families. I said their prayer meetings would have a sense of the presence of God among them as they seek you together. And God, I ask is in this season, release a hunger for the word, a hunger, a desire for the people of God, for the church family, and release fresh hope, fresh courage, and fresh vision for the promises of God that you've made to us in scripture. I ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Samuel. Isn't that, wasn't it great? Such a blessing to, to have someone take time out and record something specifically for us. And like I said, there's going to be more uh, coming through because we've, we've got others as well. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray together. This corporate prayer of response, the words that come up on the screen uh, for us. As we're entering into this time of sacred assembly before the Lord together. So let's pray together. Today we present ourselves to you as a community of disciples. We accept your invitation to gather in sacred assembly. As members of your royal priesthood, we consecrate ourselves to seek you in a focused way in the season of your appointed festivals. We intentionally ask for your mercy and grace to empower us to seek you during this time with undistracted pursuit. Prepare us to receive your holy activity as we align our individual lives, our families, our businesses and our community life according to your will. We choose to offer our lives to you again, holy and acceptable. This is our reasonable act of worship. We choose to use our time wisely during this season and to meet with you more often. We choose to remove or cut back on regular scheduled programs and non-essential activity. We choose to repent of sin and compromise and turn back to you with all of our hearts. We choose to renew our commitment to a lifestyle of worship, sacrificial love, prayer, fasting, serving, giving and obeying you in everything. Through the Holy Spirit, grant us wisdom and revelation to understand the significance of your appointed times and the days we are living in. May we enter in with gladness and prophetic insight as we renew our commitment to watch for your return and pray for the salvation of Israel. Meet with us daily. Heal us. Set us free from all burdens and bondage and make us holy as you are holy. Have your resting place among us, O God. Reveal the beauty of Jesus Christ through our consecrated lives. Establish New Life Church as a prophetic presence and faithful witness in Fremantle and beyond. In the power of the finished work of the cross, we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus and to restrain our lives and walk in holiness, humility, forgiveness and love. May all the honour, praise and worship of our lives be given to you, our God and our soon returning Messiah King. Amen. Amen.